host, Chelsea Reed. And I'm your host, Brittany Fraze. Welcome to today's episode of Girls Got Goals, a podcast for the woman who is chasing her goals while balancing the demands of everyday life. This past week, we sat down with Robin Priest and Charlotte Sitnik, co-creators at Robin Priest Live Your Truth. Robin and Charlotte shared with us their work on mental health and peer support education, including working with parents of children struggling with mental health. Listen in as we lean into the struggles of mental illness and how peer support and its role can help people go from surviving to thriving in a no BS way. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I know Brittany and myself have both been chatting about um, having the opportunity to talk with you guys for the past couple of weeks. We've been really excited. <laughs> we know um, that our listeners will really value this episode as well. There's so much that we are excited to cover. We have listeners from all over. I know we even have... Uh... Like listeners dealing with uh, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. So lots of different topics that people... Yeah, there's lots of great things um, that we want to be able to bring to the table for our listeners. So we're excited to have you and your perspective um, and your energy here as well. And um, so yeah, we'll just start off by having each of you introduce yourselves and just let us uh, know a little bit of maybe a fun fact about yourself um, and how you got into your roles that you're currently in. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. My name is Charlotte Sitnik. Uh, I am co-creator and chief mama, no, mental health momager, sorry, messed up on that one. Mental <laughs> health momager at Robin Priest Live Your Truth. I am the proud mother of two daughters, and uh, I like to talk with parents about uh, what it's like to raise resilient daughters and share my story on mental health and mental wellness and, uh, and offering a perspective uh, lived experience. Wow. Thanks, Charlotte. Um, I'm a little more excitable than Charlotte. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a good diagnosis. I'm happy to share it, bipolar. And maybe I'm a little bit excitable today. Other people might call it manic, but I call it excitable. <laughs> anyway, um, you'll get that I'm not North American. I'm a good uh, kangaroo. I'm Australian. <laughs> Lived and worked in Australia, New Zealand, the US, and now I'm made it home in Canada. So um, Charlotte and I started a, a business last year. She was just talking about it. My title is co-creator in chief non-conformist. So you can it. make of it what you want, yeah. really. But uh, yeah, I wanted to get into this kind of stuff because um, I, uh, I grew up and we moved a lot and we had money and we had no money and we had this really interesting eclectic life and and later on my dad and I both got diagnosed with the same disorder at the same time and it was like oh I just thought we had this really exciting life where mm. we got to live in different places and meet different people and I think uh, even when I was little I was like uh, completely un-PC told my mum that um, I was going to fight for the rights of, of retarded people and crazy people. Obviously, I wouldn't use some of that languaging now. Although I do say I get my crazy on. <laughs> and I say that because I, I want to take that word back. I want to mm. own it for myself and go, nobody else can define that but me. So um, I've been working in um, peer support and mental health and stuff for over 25 years now. Wow. And it's just... Um, and I've, I've worked in some different countries. I, I had this really cool honor of working for an agency in the US that worked with a lot of the um, Pacific nations like Guam and Palau mm -hmm. and American Samoa. And, and so I got to work out there too. So I think I've been in the right place at the right time and I like to chat. 
Yeah. So I think that's yeah. where it comes from. Yeah, right? the chatting part. Do you find because you moved around so much that made you more open with people because you had to build those relationships over and over again? Because I find that for myself. Like my family, uh, my parents are divorced. And then my I moved, I think I was like 15 to 20 times as a child. Oh, you and then, me. Yeah, yeah. And multiple schools. So yeah. I had to yeah. learn how to be um, extroverted and how to build those relationships really quickly uh, which makes me want to just like share all always and sometimes I don't learn boundaries or have learned the hard way about like trusting people and that yeah. sort of thing but yeah definitely makes me I find the same thing like want to be that speaker want to share those experiences and have that interaction and connection so is that same for you I think that's totally it. Like, we would move and I'd try and stay friends with people. But, you know, when you're younger, you don't you rely on other people to help them. Yeah, how you stay connected, right, without your parents. So, so I just got used to moving, changing schools, meeting new people. And, and it's interesting because, uh, like, I've kept that going through my life. I think I'm in house number 85 and wow. country number four. Mm. And I, I actually... Uh, yeah, this is where I bear my soul. Like, I realized this year that it was a kind of form of self-harm for me. If mm. I got close to people, like I would pull myself away and move. Gotcha. And it was a bit of protection, but like looking back, it's probably harmed some of the stuff for me because I look at other people and I go, how did you live in the same house for 35 years? Yeah. How do you have the same friends? And I, I have a few like really good friends that I met in like 92, 93, then I'm... It's a good year, 92. Uh, is that when a baby was born? That's when I was like born. You. Yeah, that's what I, mean. I feel old. Um, but I, but I've, I think I've just kept moving and I've stayed in contact with some people that I really care about, but yeah. I've kept shifting my life and now I'm like, oh, maybe it's time to take a look and stay in one place. Planting your roots somewhere. Yeah, we're so hoping I'm, you're going to do that because Canada yeah. sure needs you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Canada's kind of a fun place. It's an eclectic, like, little mix. I think it's it's got a bit of a feel of Australia. There's um, a lot of Australians here. Yeah, well, <laughs> we all come here because we have those work permits, right? When we're younger and we want to get out of the, the heat. Yeah. yeah. Back and forth, though, same to go there, mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. Wants to yeah. Go work there, get the permit. I think it's because of the... Um, the work permits that you can get because you're part of the Commonwealth, right? Yeah, yeah. Go for two yeah. years, and yeah. my niece actually is now a permanent resident in Calgary. Yeah, she started on a. Two I was living. I used permit. to live there. Yeah. yeah, love it. Yeah, miss it, but came back for family. So. Yeah, otherwise I would have been there. Still. People keep asking me why Winnipeg. You're Australian. Yeah, <laughs> and I go well. Two reasons. One, I have a. Uh, diagnosed craziness and two <laughs> like I lived in Alaska so the weather mm. doesn't you know Phase it's not a, a phasing thing but I think uh I think Winnipeg's cool yeah did you guys connect thing. in Winnipeg then or or is it saying that you guys actually crossed each other's paths yeah I did some work up here a couple of years ago uh I did some work with mood disorders running some training for peer workers and also knew um um Bonnie Bricker who's doing some advocacy work in the city and uh, Charlotte was driving me around, and she was just kind of fun and silly. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I can be friends with her. And then we were at a conference last year, and she goes, want to start a business? I'm like, sure. Yeah. She goes, well, you have to move to Canada. And I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> Didn't take you much convincing then to bring her over. 
few months later, I was driving the U-Haul, and the U-Haul was out coming to a girl. Unusual, right? But <sighs> driving the U-Haul and pulled into town. Mm. Wow. And we've been have, having fun ever since yeah. and making a difference in mental health. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> it's such a big thing, and it's so... Um, I know because even with like my experiences recently this time, going through things like no one really knew the last like I was saying four years ago I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and no one really knew. I like closed off. I didn't want to share. And this time around, I have shared um, just to put a face to it. And we have we've been able to. I don't want to say empower, but we've helped. I've noticed other women share too. Mm-hmm. So they when they see that, it's almost like. Um, I don't want to say like an approval, but a validation that they can share as well. Um, and I think one of my last posts, just because I have, I'm not the greatest with social media. I, I have these words and I can't find the picture to put it together. And I'd rather just talk to you, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is hard to put it. She's like opposite. She's like, I, she can come up with something like I'm a catchy <laughs> in like a minute. And I'm like, how did you even write that? She's like, I just can't, like, just like this. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but I was sharing like the symptoms and the feelings of like anxiety mm. and stuff like that. And I had a lot of people... Um, reach out and you know say like I feel you but also to it gave some other people I think that nod to go ahead and share themselves and be more vulnerable and it was really mm-hmm. nice to see you know a couple people that I've seen on in social media since that have opened up and shared too it's because an, they're not alone and yeah. you realize that it's an interesting um it's like a catch-22 I think if everyone that experienced stuff like that actually said hey I experienced this we'd realize like it's everywhere it permeates everywhere and and if we do we also set ourselves up for uh, some stigma and discrimination so it's this I just want to be able to have this discussion like every day I was I was writing some workshops recently recently and I and I said to people who's dealt with a physical health issue and everyone puts up Mm. their hand Who's chatted with their coworker about it? Everyone puts up their hand. And I said, who's dealt with a mental health issue? A couple of people put up their hand. And, uh, and then I was like, who's chatted with their coworker? And, and people were like, oh, looking around. And I really want to make it like, it's not any different. It's mm-hmm. just something we're going through and it's not this spooky, we have to worry about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if we could all... Because it's not visible, right? And that's the problem. Like, even speaking about, um, like, I went through a traumatic incident, and that's what kind of brought the onset of the the anxiety. But it's not like a broken leg. And we think we can just, you know, people have these expectations of us at this point that you should be able to just jump back in and do what you were doing before because they can't see it. But in reality, you break your ankle, you know, you're going to cast for six weeks where you're very limited Mm -hmm. mobility, and then you're, like, recovering, right? And then you're you know, doing your physical therapy or whatever that looks like and slowly getting back to walking and doing what you were doing before. But if it's something in your head or in your mind where you can't see that or it's not showing anything physical, um, people are just like, you look fine, so you're fine. And Mm -hmm. that's not the case. Um, And I shouldn't even say it's not physical because it is physical. There's so many physical symptoms to that stuff too. Yeah, but it it really is... You know, I think I know I used to hide lots of stuff when mm. I, when I wasn't doing as well, um, because I I used to not tell people that I hear a lot of noise in my head all the time, or not tell people that sometimes colours would be really intense, and it's like those cartoons, you know, where the colours scream out at you in the 
like sometimes that and I never used to talk about that in the last couple of years like I've really been sharing that because I'm like if I don't share it I do a disservice because I want people to be able to share stuff like that yeah. and it's okay yeah I find with sharing too one of the things that I know has limited me from sharing it is because of that feeling of well they're not going to understand or um, because I've experienced from somebody else that you know well, just do this, do X, Y, and Z. And they think they can give you this simple secret sauce. And being able to um, express myself freely has become a little bit limiting. Um, so I think, too, with having friends and family that don't have the same feelings or thoughts or experiences as me, it's really caused um, me to kind of feel like I'm in my own bubble. So I know, Charlotte, you help a lot help families understand um, what their loved ones are going through and kind of how to navigate that. So for someone who maybe is struggling to have those conversations with a, a loved one, like what would you, what's the direction that you would suggest taking? Well, you know what, as you were starting into that conversation, I was like, yes, because this is such a, a passionate topic of mine. Um, when I was, my family was starting out on this, this journey um, with my daughter who had heightened anxiety and that turned into depression, um, my family, who all, it always came from a loving place in their heart, but their advice was so hard, and it was so so much of what they were saying put a huge amount of shame and blame and judgment into me because you, you know you're trying your best to raise a child that didn't come with an owner's manual that you love with more than anything in the world, and you're seeing it go for you know a shit. So excuse my terminology, but you know, no, it's okay. because you just don't know words. how to fix it. Cause as you know, what you were just saying, it's all in, in the head and you know, you can't put a bandage on it and you can't hug and make it go away and you can't fix it. So, um, I highly recommend finding other moms who are going through something similar so that when you have those hard conversations with your family and it doesn't go well, like you were saying, mm -hmm you're trying to articulate what you're doing and you're doing the best and they're putting that judgment or their opinion is if you have somebody who's another mom who has something similar that you can at least reach out to who will give you that little bit of hope and say hey listen I, you know I had that same conversation with my mom it didn't go so well because she just told me to give her a good kick in the ass and it would make it all better and you're just like whoa <laughs> no that's not the case mm -hmm. so in my world I have several moms and it was funny because uh, we were at a, a meeting the other day and and Robin was there and it was a whole bunch of people with lived experiences and all of us moms were all at one side of the room hanging out. It really was funny. <laughs> like separated yeah, almost, like divided. Yeah. We're up there and we're like feeling our, you know, our safety net of support and, you know, and then there was some young people in the room and then there was lots with lived experience. But I... I laughed because we immediately gravitated to each other. And Can I... Uh, yeah. So one of the things that we've talked about in the past is like for family members to get away from the shoulds. Yes. We, mm. we actually yes. designed this course called Getting Rid of the Shoulds because it was like families often come with, you should just mm. like get up and yes. go to work or you should just do this. And, oh. and one of the things was creating and, and unpacking that and going, actually, if you can just hear what we're saying and be validating for us and be in a place of how do we explore with you like yeah. ways to get through this or ask have you had this before how have you got through it before what are those things how do we support that mm -hmm. i think yeah. that's kind of the coolest advice i would i i'm forever having conversations mm -hmm. with charlotte she'll well, go what's happening here and i'll go 
Well, you're being yeah. a parent. So from my perspective as someone who deals with it, here's how it would work better. I love that. Yeah. 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 That yeah. So we have, it's constant. And, yeah. you know, uh, when um, we were earlier talking about panic attacks, my, my daughter has huge panic attacks. And, and so there's the mom voice that, you know, I can give her, which a lot of times escalates the mm-hmm. panic because you're just like, oh, my God, how can I help you? And, and you're just like, it's not working or you're, you know, you're putting ice cream at them or, you know, here's a dog or, you know, what can it take? You know, what... Um, and then or you switch into that mental health voice of, um, hey, you know, how can I support you? And, and, uh, and it really works. But it took many years of, of trial and error to, you know, mm-hmm. to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and many ambulance calls are, you know, off to the hospital. Because, you know, you, you, you know, as an individual with a panic attack, you honestly think it's a heart attack. Like, you know, you're really scared. And, um, and a lot of times, if, even if your head is saying it's not, you know, your body's telling you, yeah. well, what if it actually is? And yeah. I, yeah. I do want to still be here. So. I lost, like, I lost vision when I had panic attacks yeah. because yeah. you yeah. just get so, your head gets so overwhelmed and mm-hmm. dizzy and your heart's racing, right? And it, your um, blood pressure elevates, so it does yeah. cause those symptoms that are physical, those real symptoms. But they're hugely physical and, and harmful, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and scary. Yeah, because so. you're consistently releasing that cortisol, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Putting you in that fight or flight mode, which you know is only meant for when you're in trying to save yourself, you know. And, and yeah, but here's the thing, right? When we, you know, I had uh, friends when I was living in New Zealand who would experience something like that, and they would go to the hospital, and it would flag on the system, oh, mental health. And one of my friends didn't get treated and actually died of a heart attack because. So you never your body is just manifesting so, and so it is wow. the place about sometimes we also have to think that that we do need to get someone that yeah. checked mm-hmm. out because yeah. sometimes it's like oh well you've got a mental health problem so it's not real I've I've known a um a situation in another country where like a guy was talking about buzzing in his ears and he had a diagnosed schizophrenia and all the healthcare professionals were like Oh, you're okay. That's just the voices. He had a brain tumor. When they finally worked it out, it was too late. And so, I think we need to check stuff out. And and often we do know ourselves pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And so if we come and say, "Hey, this is out of the ordinary," we also want to be heard then too, because because mm-hmm. that's one of those places that there's a bit of a bit of role. Well, and that's that validating that you are being heard, which is yeah. so important. And, right. and that is so often lost um, in our medical system. Yes. Exactly mm-hmm. what Robin was just saying. You have been labeled and therefore not, you know, really being heard. Because yeah. it's... It's a quick fix. Like, they don't yeah. have the time. Mm-hmm. I just had that happen a couple weeks ago when I was at the office. Like, I just started medication. Um, but that was after... Like, that's my second appointment. I said yes to the medication. I went two weeks before that without. But when I went to that first appointment, it was kind of like, it was almost, it wasn't like I hear you, I kind of empathize with what you're going through. It's like, we have 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want medication again? Uh, do you yeah. think maybe it's you're not in the right job? Like, all these questions, and I'm like, whoa. First of all, like, listen to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I am telling you, this is how I'm feeling can you give me some other alternatives? And I'm just like, use Headspace. And all this stuff, I'm like, you also, like I'm trying to tell you too, I've, I've been here before and I, I know what does work and what doesn't for the most part. Like I have mm. tried those tools, 
but it was just like yeah like let's lay some drugs on you and I was just like give me a chance to try and like sort this out and we're still at the cusp of like from the initial trauma so you always have that like high low high low Mm -hmm. so trying to see if it would regulate itself because I don't want to like put medication in when we're still in that period of time where like the trauma may go back like renormalize to Mm -hmm. your um from going from hyper to hypo or whatever that is I'm showing like an up and down. You guys you can't see my hands. We can't see my hands. Which has a really good wave yeah. motion happening. So yeah. you think about trauma as the wave. Sometimes the wave's a little higher, and sometimes it's like I can't mm-hmm. see. Yeah. But. So, um, but yeah, they just try and put that on yeah. on you. And I think one of the things we all we were talking about Brene Brown before. She's like, for people who aren't haven't lived that experience, is you just gotta like when they're hurting, look them in the eye, yeah. right, mm-hmm. and just stay in the hurt with them. But we're mm-hmm. so afraid to do that because it opens other people like us up to being vulnerable with that person and that's scary and it's also um we always want to just like give our answers and our solutions and just like help and sometimes helping is just listening and we forget Mm -hmm. that right I think that that's something that's really common too is that um other people kind of want to put the band-aid on for us and sometimes it actually can cause more Mm -hmm. um feelings of anxiety and not being heard um that's something that you know I always like to help um I love helping other people so when I have friends who come to me you know sometimes I like to ask them what they've tried and maybe make a suggestion based on what has worked for me but I also have learned that there are boundaries because I need those boundaries enforced for myself as well um when I share my feelings with someone if I do choose to at that time uh sometimes I just want to hear you know I'm here if you need anything and that's all that's all and versus a solution right Mm -hmm. versus them kind of giving me a solution that they think might work or um you know kind of saying well why don't you try xyz like you said headspace or whatever the case is and sometimes it just makes you feel more frazzled i think it's really hard to understand where that line is too with with anybody though you almost have to be able to express that for yourself and advocate that for yourself i think i think part, part of the reason why i love peer support is because we we talk about being exploration facilitators and I was talking about that before like not about fixing or solving but about supporting people to explore Mm -hmm. what it is for them Mm -hmm. Um, and a whole range of options and I'm really about let's show all of the different options like medication might be one and I was sharing before I don't take it and I stopped taking it about 10 years ago and for me I'm going to share now because I often um, has people go oh yeah like like I didn't want to have sex I couldn't have an orgasm and save my life and it wasn't the person I was with <laughs> like you know but it, but it was I want to look at something else so you know I live my life without that and I think for some people it saves their lives and then for some people meditation's great and for other people it, it's not for me I used exercise a lot and I just I found out about a month ago that I have a heart issue and I can't get my heart rate over a certain rate and I can't exercise like I used to. Well, so, you used to beat yourself up. Oh, uh, yeah, You're yeah. a rugby player, so. Yeah, I used to play rugby. <laughs> like that was like, oh. I started boxing recently and that's a good one. <laughs> and, but I can't even do that, right, because my heart rate has yeah. to stay lower because like it, walks. Well, it closes my heart down, oh, so I really oh. have to... And so last night was the first time I went walking on the treadmill and I went, actually, it's okay. I can, And so I was finding something else and I, I think that's the place. I don't want someone to fix it or tell me mm-hmm. what to do. 
Have you guys seen the the um, YouTube video? It's not about the nail. No. Okay, so so basically, we'll link that you guys for you. Yeah, I we'll use it in uh, in peer training, but it it's a woman and she's chatting about she has headaches, snags, her sweaters, can't sleep. She turns her head. She's got a nail in her forehead, right? Oh my god! And the guy's like. Do you know if you just took that nail out? And she goes, it's not about the nail. You never just listen. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, I've been talking about it lately. Can we just get our human back on? Mm. Yeah. Right? It's a big I, thing right now because everything's social media and everyone's talking or doing these through these images and no one's being vulnerable or having that conversation or reaching out and meeting and doing in-person things anymore. Well, yeah, the connection, the loss of connection, like real life connection is huge. And, you know, we're seeing that with so many young people that, you know, they're not making friends or they're, they're not having a, an actual play date. They're so structured in their, in their sports and their after school activities. Yeah. And that, that connection is being lost. And, uh, and how do we regain it? You know, I spent a lot of time chatting with moms about, you know, you know, hanging out with your kids, like, you know, putting your phones away, having dinner, yes. sitting down at the table, having dinner, you know, and actually just listening and, you know, I often say biting your tongues mm-hmm. to hear actually what the, your child is saying and not trying to fix it or opinion, your opinion, just letting them share. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brittany and I were actually talking the other night in our last episode. Uh, my daughter's five and like I told you, she mirrors a lot of my behaviors. Um, so I've noticed some anxious tendencies within her as well and it usually manifests at bedtime when it's a zillion things need to be done or said before going to bed and then there's a whole outburst of tears and but this but that but all the feelings come out so um it's made nighttime really really tough for us and something that i have actually implemented recently is i got her a journal she's in kindergarten so she's learning how to write so I'll ask her to say one or two of her favorite things about the day and I'll tell her how to spell it, but I'll have her physically write it in mm-hmm. her journal. And it has been a game changer. Just this little tool that takes us, I mean, it's a big tool, but it takes us 10 minutes out of our day yeah. and it's been therapeutic for me and it's, it's changed our nighttime routine. It's absolutely incredible. So as a mom who has experienced anxiety herself and now I'm seeing it in my daughter, I right away was like, what can I do from a young age that I didn't have, um, you know, equipped with those tools when I was younger? What can I do for her now based on what I know about myself and, and how things have manifested for me? What can I do for her? And that's been pretty, pretty, pretty cool. But I think it's interesting that you say that because when we, we look at our kids and we just kind of like oh they don't want to go to bed so Mm -hmm. like we're just gonna push that forward but you're taking that other perspective and looking at that and seeing like these tendencies right and sometimes we forget that they're like humans too right I can't go to bed I stay up till 2 30 in the morning because my anxiety bothers me right so it's just like I give myself that ability to kind of draw things out and to like take the time but we don't give it to our children to do the same Mm -hmm. but even until just recently I didn't really even pick up on the like the anxious tendencies, I kind of just saw it as like she's being a, a five-year-old and she's pushing the limits. And at nighttime, like I was saying, I really cherish my solace and my alone time. So when it was like eating into my alone time because she's coming in and out of her bedroom, that's when like I, smoke would be coming out of my ears and all of a sudden I'm like, go to bed. And that doesn't yeah. make things better for no. her. No. Um, so that like Brittany has heard many a times, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's screaming, I'm screaming. Like, how can we diffuse this? Can I don't you know hear me you from do. your house? Yeah, like, <laughs> you, you, you were perceived next best, door. So. I'm like, no, I cannot hear you. She's like, oh, good. <laughs> but you know, you just like 
we match each other's energy and it's yeah. just like this dangerous concoction and I finally said enough is enough I need to find something that's going to calm the both of us that we can do together versus me like saying you have to go to bed now I'm closing your door and her crying from one side of the door and me crying on the other yeah. it just wasn't working so and you know I, I have anxiety myself and it took me until now to be like ah oh, like maybe this is starting now like maybe these are signs that I need to be picking up on and addressing so are there any particular like things that you would recommend for parents as far as like um being aware of with their children and maybe not signs or symptoms but just kind of being able to pick up on certain things where they can maybe start creating the space for those conversations? Well, you know, it's interesting because Robin and I keep thinking that we got to put another one of these checklists together. And, you know, and uh, there's a couple things with that comment that we were just talking about with the sleep. I, I'm a terrible sleeper, so I, I'm constantly reading about better ways to, to get myself to sleep. And, and, and then my oldest daughter inherited that from me, too. So I'm hearing similar because we had a very similar my daughter and, and your daughter sounds like the same, getting her to relax and go to bed. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that a few of my friends are talking about is a daytime mode and a nighttime mode and, and setting, changing your actual mode, um, whatever you decide as a parent that being, because you have a structure with the child, you know, you, you know, eat dinner and you do your homework and you brush your teeth and you go to bed. But, you know, if as a parent you start to follow a similar pattern and a lot of parents I'm talking to are, are actually taking their cell phones away and, um, and turning them off so there's no added stresses of checking your email, checking your work email, checking social media, seeing that you were invited to a party. And it's escalating your um, triggers as well so that, that if, you know, when your daughter is not wanting to go to bed, you know, your anxiety is already up high too because of all these other exterior circumstances that you keep checking in. So that so that's one thing that I've heard a lot of parents do is is stop with the social media and just turn it off and just really try to, to get themselves into a, a more calmer state and then, you know, you know, as a, a calm mom, a calm mm-hmm. house. You know, I hate mm-hmm. to say that. So I think what you... But she's wanting tools. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, well, no, I think you were asking about are there things that parents could look out for? Is that what... Yeah, like kind of asking was like, more so... I, I saw my daughter getting... Yeah riled up and making all the excuses up to stay awake and and being fidgety in bed like tossing and turning just thinking she's trying to avoid and then you know she's remembering parts of her day and she has to hop out of bed and tell me and for me I just saw that as my five-year-old is just trying to push my buttons Mm -hmm. but what I didn't pick up on is that it it could have been those could be signs of dealing with anxiousness right yeah so are there certain signs that manifest that we can maybe be aware of as well, you as a mom are going to feel that as a gut thing yeah you're going to say hey listen and it looks different in every child so really trust your gut yeah. um i didn't trust my gut enough um so one of the things that happened with my daughter is that she had high anxiety what i know now was high anxiety as a child and what did that look like for her well, you know, well, what did you see? That so, like? what would happen is, you know, you'd you'd set you'd get her ready for school, and you know, you know, she'd all be ready to school, and you'd send the child, um, you know, into the playground, and then something would happen um, that would trigger her to be upset, and she couldn't, and she didn't have the proper tools at that time to control or help support her anxiety to de-escalate the situation. So then it would just it would get more and it would get more. So I talked about like maybe there's little smaller stressors um, 
and she was a slow to start in the morning child. So, mm-hmm. you know, me pushing her, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. was not good. Really yeah. like, that's good. her daughter, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, she was like, she, it was just, she was a little bit slower to, to get going. But, you know, when she did, so, so I always say that, that the wake up piece for me, you know, and, I, and I'm not putting all the blame on me, but I'm just, these are teachable moments that I'm talking to you as a mom. So trying to switch the, how to, how to wake her up in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, how to, to keep her um, less stressful so that when she started to get more stressors in the playground and in the classroom, like all those little stresses that she experiences, you know, gets to a point where, you know, you're going to get an explosion it's at compounded. the end. Yeah, it's compounded. So that maybe some of the things that your daughter's experienced late at night and those stressors could be, yeah, thinking about the day. So maybe, you know, having a ch- more chat about, hey, how was your day? I mean, maybe adding those into the journal. So, mm-hmm. you know, so she's dumping it. And it's, it's those tools of, you know, the big word right now is mindfulness and mindfulness for children. But actually, let's, let's start talking about it with your child and unpacking it so that mm-hmm. maybe some of that anxiety that she's feeling that has escalated to that, I can't get out of bed. Um, I call that brain really dumping. Yeah, it's my day. <laughs> and, and what I love is that you're already doing it with affirmations and gratitudes with her in the journaling, but maybe you just need to add a little couple more steps that might help yeah. her, you know. And if she sees you're doing it and you're, you know, and you could say to her too, like you could be joint, you know, no, this is what my day was like. And then she could add it and we could just write these things down. It, that might be really helpful. But I always think that it's all those little stressors that add up to the big one that shows up. And I think Charlotte talked before when you were asking about are there like signs that you might see, right? Like often when I see my friends now, there's a spidey sense that it doesn't quite feel right, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that I can necessarily like see that like someone's having a panic attack in the morning. It may be they're slower than normal or it may be, I know a friend of mine talks about when he was a kid, he used to have stomach aches every morning because mm. he didn't want to go to yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. But then as soon as that stress was gone, the stomach ache was gone. And I, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. many conversations with my family about that. Well, you're good now. Why aren't yeah. you at school? That well, was actually one of my out. first symptoms and signs that where I was able to yeah. determine that something wasn't right. Every time I went into a social setting, mm-hmm. I immediately had to use the washroom. TMI, <laughs> maybe, guys, but... I would walk into a grocery yeah. store or I'd walk into, you know, even a party as a t- as like a, a high schooler, a group party or a volleyball tournament in the mm-hmm. gym, just big settings. Um, I immediately had to run to the washroom. Sometimes it was to be sick. Sometimes yep. it was like to go to the washroom. But I felt my body, the stress within my body. And then it wasn't until I actually ended up being diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety that I divulged that to my doctor. And, you know, I feel like this has started back when here and they're like, yeah, that is, that is something. And same thing with before going to school, it was always that stomach ache. And I was the kid who like always tried tried to stay home sick from school. And I noticed that in in Avery as well, my oldest is that sometimes uh, she'll be saying to me, I have, I have a stomach ache. I don't feel good. And then that's kind of when we unpack and yeah, but that was, yeah, one of the things is for me, the spidey senses as a mom, yeah. because every day I was saying, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? Why am I mm. such a terrible parent? Why is nothing working to help calm her, to alleviate these 
tantrums or these breakdowns and then I'm saying wait a minute maybe it's not me being a bad mom maybe there's just something else that we need to navigate and figure out still feel like a bad mom some days but now I at least feel like we're kind of getting a grip on things and even having a a conversation yet someone might not know that's what it is they might really think Mm -hmm. it's that physical stuff but if you start to have those conversations and um you know, it might be the sleep difference, the bedtime routine. It might be someone wants to change their routine. It, it could be, I know, I used to get really grumpy, like annoyed at yeah. the world. And I'd have this, like I'd go to school and I'd be like, I'm, I'm annoyed with the world. And so I think the hardest thing is like people are like, oh, just just talk about the signs and symptoms but I think they can look different for everyone so I think I really like I really say to people if something feels different yeah like it's a little bit out of the norm then it's something to have a conversation or check in or just keep an eye on yeah I watched your some of your videos on the website and one of the things I remember you saying was like you have to just trust your inner self right and not listen to the other people yeah just like really feel what that feels like I mean I hate people Sometimes still like now as an adult, I'm just like I hate people. I don't want no new friends. Time to deal with this right now, or whatever that looks like, right? But like, where is that coming from? And unpacking that and trusting ourselves and what that looks like. And we were even talking about too. We had an episode for the talking about the holidays and what you know, creating those boundaries around family members. Like I um, am feeling nervous about that too, right? I'm going to a couple gatherings. Mm -hmm. Some people know that I'm off work right now. Some people don't know what that looks like and what that conversation is going to be about yeah. the outside looking in. Yeah. I'm like, well, why don't you just go back to work or why aren't you doing mm. this, right? But I think you called those people like the skeptical hippos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about that or what those well, people I, are like? I, it's funny. I had uh, I ran this um, I ran this course called Unleashing Your Awesomeness and it was for people to kind of really get like – who they are that were all these amazing amazing people and we get all this layering of other people's expectations on us and we lose lose our we we called it living your truth right mm-hmm. um and so i i talked to people in that training we we worked through some scenarios about getting truly back who you are right like if i make it really simple we talk about manipulation is one of those terms people go you're very manipulative Mm-hmm. But really, what is that? If you're manipulative, you're amazing at getting your needs met. So you've got to be an amazing negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> so if we go, let's use those powers for the good. Yeah, um, the script, right? You know, mm-hmm. it, it is that, that place. And so I was talking to people and saying, you get to be in a place where you've got to trust you, but you're going to have sceptical hippos. You're going to have people coming in and going, well, I know you think you're good now, but really all those voices in your head are going to do this or whatever. So we were talking about how do we build up some resilience and and we were talking about picking little things that work for each people yeah. to feel like they were like a some kind of force field so people could throw it at them, but it wasn't going to hit them and yeah. it wasn't going to stick. Mm-hmm. And so like... You know, we we actually had the photo of a hippo charging, saying this is what it can feel like sometimes, right? The Mm. families, the do-gooders, the friends, the we're just going to get to you and tell you how it should be. And and so different people kind of thought about different ways of doing that. For some, they, 
you know, the typical when you're presenting, think about someone naked charging at you, you can't but laugh, right? <laughs> or think about them as a particular animal, or like just go, hey, they've got their own shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like they've got to deal with their own stuff, and yeah. I'm going to deal with mine. So I think it was some of that that we talked about. I, you know, and I don't think it's a one size fits all, right? No, yeah. totally. I, it was funny because you actually brought up the co- like the op, uh, not the option, but the um, you're relating to like the manipulative term, and then you said like the drug dealer. Yeah. And I actually laughed out loud because my husband, as a kid, he's now a police officer, but as a kid, he actually got involved in that, like, and was kind of like you know in that drug scene and dealing mm. drugs or whatever and mm. he is an entrepreneur now and one of the things is like you're, you'd be good at like distribution and sales and marketing yeah, yeah, and he's totally that, that guy yeah. and I was like this is so him but it's true you can flip that script and you yeah. can have that that change and I, I think I see that all I find I see that all the time especially when we want to reach out and be like entrepreneur or start our own yeah. business people become very skeptical and they doubt you mm-hmm. um, it's just like one of the easiest ways to see it right I find it's something that people can say like, well, I don't know if that's a good idea or like, it seems like you're spending a lot of money on that for this purpose. Yeah. And you always have those exterior voices and sometimes interior too, like you're saying that yeah. comes from inside and you just need to make sure you're on that track and that's where you want to go and um, that you just stay true to that and true to yourself. I completely agree. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention you, but someone in my life when I said, oh, I've got this website, you know, it's it's called robinpriest.com like and a certain people in my life went who do you think you are to have a website named after you and I was oh. like oh, oh and I had to take a step and go actually why not yeah right? this is and who I am <laughs> Charlotte you know kind of, <laughs> Charlotte kind of pushed me a little to have the business named me Robin Priest live your truth and and there's days I struggle with it because I go, what do I know? Mm. And then I thought... That imposter I, syndrome. Yeah, I think we all have it no matter what. And I, the, a couple of weeks ago I was um, chatting with someone and I went, why can't I just own that I've had been in the right place at the right time and had great conversations and I do know stuff. So mm-hmm. why not? Why not mm-hmm. step up and go... Yeah, I know some shit more than other people, mm-hmm. and other people know some more than me on different stuff. Well, and I've heard too, like statistically speaking, for women, it's very um, hard for us to believe that we have something to offer, yeah. uh, especially when someone else is already doing it. We're mm-hmm. like, well, they've already provided that information. Yeah. Like with the podcast, we were like, why would we do a podcast? There's already so many out there. Like, and that's a woman thing. My husband's like, you we just had to do get a to podcast. the point of being like, they're not going to have the exact same conversations as us. It's mm-hmm. not going to look exactly the yeah. same. We're going to have different perspectives. We have different experiences, and that's <laughs> just because somebody else has done something or has more information or different information doesn't mean that yours is any less valuable. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a service or it's a product, anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even yeah, like for us when we're talking about. Um, starting the podcast that was one of the things we're like well there's there's these people doing this and there's these people doing that it's like but we can still do us like we can still own that so I think that's it right it's owning your own like we talk about living your truth your truth is that you guys can come on and do this great thing and you do otherwise you wouldn't be doing it because people wouldn't be listening yeah (laughs) right but it is being like who you are and so whether I'm like walking down the street or whether I'm presenting, I'm the same person. I'm yeah. silly and goofy and I'll share my life. And mm-hmm. 
and people talk about that as being real and I think that's the place that yeah. no one's real anymore that's yeah. the problem let's get real get let's get place, human yeah. again let's not be the and no offense this is not about grocery people but you go to the store and they go how are you and if you go good they're like oh and they chat and if you go oh it's a really bad day they're like oh that'll be uh 23 yeah. please like let's get our human back on and if we ask someone how they are actually want to hear yeah. it well that's yeah. the problem right i know they're they're saying um, right now, we have the highest amount of depression and anxiety in mm. our society, mm-hmm. even yeah. compared to like when the World War One and World War Two, like when yeah. there was war and famine and whatever. And we mm. have more anxiety and depression now than we ever did back then, and we have more than we ever did back then. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's because of that we've lost that connection. We've lost. Yeah. We're all like you said, the phones. That's a big one. We we're on it for work, we're on it for business, yeah. or um, for personal time. And there's no putting it down and connecting. And I, I think there was a, um, there's saying too, like even just having it on a table or now like you have your watches, but it, it, the conversation isn't the same because your full attention, if, if it, even if it's just sitting there on the table, the person doesn't feel like you're still giving them your full attention. Yeah. And that makes you not yeah. want to share as much or be as vulnerable or open up or really have those deep conversations. And a lot of the time too is that we, we listen to hear and not to understand. And that's something that we need to switch is yeah. is wanting to understand what people are actually saying to us versus just letting it in one ear and forgetting things about that. I always talk about being passionately curious. Yeah. And I have a picture on one of the slides of this kid with his head down like this hole in the ground. And it's like, why don't we get passionately curious about other people these days? Mm-hmm. Like find out who they are and what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I would love to see us all get back to. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, and that's the thing too, is like our kids have that, but we almost like take it away because we're rushing them and mm-hmm. we want to get there and do that. And we forget that they're learning and they're seeing things from a different perspective that sometimes we need to get down there and look at it with them too, because it's a beautiful thing where they're looking at it from there. And really slow down. Yeah, like that's, that's the message that, you know, if I could, I, and I'm going to go back and listen to your, talking to your younger self, because that's one of the things that I wish that I had done more of was mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying, and just slow life down, yeah. and, and enjoy those moments, and uh, you know, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll pay off for you as well, and a lot of my talks is mo- not a, about my child's mental health, it's my mental health, and, and just owning that piece of mm-hmm. slowing down and, and taking a moment for yourself, mm-hmm. and and enjoy your kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And it's, you know, we think, well, my, my husband has um, some anxiety, and I, I think part of it's, like, PTSD from, like, being in policing and stuff like that. But it is, um, there's, like, genetic kind of ties to it, right? Like, so our kids are more likely to have anxiety if we have uh, experienced that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom mm-hmm. had it, and I'm pretty sure, like, that's where I got it from. Like, it's not yeah. her fault, right? Like, but we're just genetically predispositioned to potentially have that. So and, my and, parent, and learn behavior, Yeah, too. and learn behavior, yeah. right, and how we handle that. So my kids will be uh, in that same same thing. So uh, it makes it a little bit more challenging as well. But in the mom guilt episode, I was ta- we were talking about that, too. Like, I feel my... It's a it's a it's gotta be a woman thing or a mom thing or I don't know something because something that has no relation to men because they don't get it because my husband can will be done supper and he'll just go sit on the couch with the kids and just like be present and I don't know how to do that I gotta like well there's gotta be dishes and I gotta pick up the toys and I gotta do this I don't and I know if it's that. necessarily a man thing though because I know some men who are like the same <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who will need to do all the things 
Um, I think it's just a personality thing. Maybe. More than a, the, but my husband the same way. Like, we have similar personalities. Hmm. Uh, but he can be present with the kids and, like, slow that down and be there. I don't know how to do that. Like, yeah. it's, or I find it more difficult for me to get to that point. Yeah. So I don't know. But, like, I find that that's one of the things we're talking about with the mom guilt. Is, like, I can't slow it down. I don't know how. It's but probably even just an acknowledging it. Thing. Like, you, you being aware that you're doing it and acknowledging it. And then just thinking, okay, when it's happening, you know, how can I change this dialogue in my head and what can I do to, to become more present um, one of the things Robin doesn't like me doing but likes me doing is is uh, when I, I put a question she's back like to looking her. at you like what? but you mentioned, you mentioned <laughs> I know she's what are you about to say this, but you know you, you mentioned a few times about trauma and you know trauma looks so different to everybody like mm -hmm. what's traumatic for me may not be traumatic to you and uh, you know um, and Robin through our training has rebranded it. So I wanted you to, you know, the supporting with understanding piece. Oh, so Yeah, I just call it supporting with understanding. And b because we come up with these, and that's not meant to be a catchy, sexy phrase, but we come up with this, <laughs> here's the thing at the moment, recovery. Here's oh. the thing at the moment, trauma-informed care. Here's the thing at the moment. And I'm like, really? Don't we just want to support people and understand who they are? Yeah. And like what's happened? Not like pick on a catchy phrase. No, I'm probably screwing my career by saying things like that. But <laughs> but it's just like if we just got back to the basics of being with people and listening to hear and understand. Mm -hmm. and, and not um, when you're listening already working on your response but actually actively listening like your whole body listening your eyes your ears your your body so that the person on the the other end is actually feeling that you are caring yeah yeah so. one of the things i noticed too is like a lot of times we feel like the need to cut people off because you want to provide that information and i was listening and something someone was saying like you just have to um put your lips together for like I think it's three to five seconds. Mm -hmm. And usually the person will either end what they're saying or will continue on with something that re-engages yeah. you again in that, that time period that you put your lips together. And I'm a big like over talker and I, I've noticed it, especially as we listen back to podcast episodes. Like sometimes I interject and I'm like, oh fuck. Like I should have done. Yeah. So now I'm just like always like, okay, lips together. Lips together, Brittany, put them together. <laughs> And it works. So this is a, it's a proven method. Yeah, <laughs> it is one of those things, right? Sometimes people need to process. Yeah, and like some of us aren't so good with quiet, and it's like, oh, it's quiet. I got to fill the gap. Mm. And so you know, been doing a lot of work over the last however long, getting to the point where I can just sit, ask a question, and just wait. Mm -hmm. And like some people get like, oh my god, I have to speak. You know, if you run training, you can tell the people who can't deal with quiet and just be and but sometimes we need to process and think what do we want to say because we all have different time frames on that mm -hmm. yeah we it's never like that space should never be uncomfortable but it's made uncomfortable because people think the void needs well to be people filled. want yeah. to fill the gap instead of thinking about what they can actually provide to that conversation like an, an intentional you know, contribution to the conversation versus just well that's what police do. i used to be please so yeah. right when they're interviewing you they ask the question and then they wait and a lot of times like people will like self-incriminate or whatever because they t they need to talk like they feel uncomfortable and that's purposely done right something? yeah it's like <laughs> i gotta fill this and then they start giving information and then they 
Oh, tell me more. Like, oh, well, I just gave myself up. Uh, you know, Here's my life yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just keep quiet. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess to finish the episode, I'd love to get like a golden piece of advice from each of you for each perspective. So, Robin, if we could start with you. Um, for our listeners, I think the term that you used is um, dancing in the storm, from what I remember in yeah. the... What would what piece of advice, what takeaway would you like our listeners who are maybe dancing through a storm to be able to take away? Just today? talk to me, actually. No I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> I'll just look at you yeah. and talk specifically yeah. to you. I think the the weathering the storm, the dancing in the storm, because the beauty of the sunrise mm-hmm. is amazing, and and it's coming. It'll come. It it comes every day, and I I get not for everyone if they do something drastic, but actually weathering that storm allows us to be the most amazing people that we are and we come back more resilient with more capacity to be human Mm. and I think that's the piece that even when it's its toughest it's finding that one little tiny sliver of sunlight in that storm that has us hold on to that as as a person who's you know, I've tried to kill myself before. Now I look when I feel that bad. What is that, you know, that tiny little sliver of light you see, even mm-hmm. in the darkest storm? Yeah, totally. It's, and hanging on to that. Yeah, that was for me the first one, uh, first time I ever, uh, when I ended up in the hospital because I mm-hmm. had thought about killing myself. Um, I sat there for the longest time. I remember crying out. Um, and for me, it was crying to God and saying, like, I don't know why I'm living mm-hmm. and I don't know why I'm here. And uh, we've talked about this on the episode before, but I went to the hospital. I drove myself there. Mm. I remember being like, I can't be alone or I'm going to die. And uh, we were about to leave because my husband at the time, he was just my uh, boyfriend. Mm. And uh, they were like, we, I was on medication. So they wanted to see potentially um, change it. So they need to, you know, do all the tests. And one of them was making sure I wasn't pregnant. And uh, they're like, we were leaving ready to go and they're like by the way you're testing back and you're pregnant and it was with my daughter and I was like there was like my sliver like I didn't know and if I would have died I would have there would have been two of us I would have been gone from this world and as sassy as she is and telling me she's gonna puke if she eats my food she (laughs) you know um yeah that was like that sliver of light like that was that my reason for the longest time of living and my mom I remember her being so scared that I was gonna if the pregnancy were to not last like that it would be done for but um it's just thinking those things like there's things we can't see and things we don't know a lot of times and they're there they're behind that storm and they're coming and I just mm-hmm. I've went through it once and I know for me personally I'll get through it again but it's gonna it takes time it, it takes you time. gotta is give it, yourself that grace I guess too right is it okay to share something like mm-hmm. I know you were closing up oh yeah, yeah oh no yeah, yeah but no. uh like a few years ago I was sitting on a couch with that and I know all the peer support people in the world I was sitting on a couch with a knife at my wrist going and I, I talk about it in one of my talks I was like I'm done why am I here like I travel the world and I chat to people and I make a difference for them but what is it for me and and it the sliver for me was getting oh I'm in the wrong body like I've spent my whole life hating my body and just thinking it was like I'm putting huge amounts of weight on and, and losing it and and it was, oh, I'm in the wrong one. I don't want to change this one right now, but I get to go, yeah, I'm really a guy in here. Mm-hmm. And that was the sliver for me and I, I think 
it's that place of finding whatever it is and you know I I speak to whoever's out there struggling at the moment is you know have someone walk around with you I have my dog in the car like I won't if I'm not feeling good my dog goes everywhere because I won't hurt her mm-hmm. and so it's finding that sliver to to get you through and whatever that is and it's not always family because mm-hmm. sometimes unfortunately families can feel toxic mm-hmm. and they don't mm-hmm. always it's uh, yeah when that point said too like when you're talking about the naming your business robin priest mm-hmm. you know from an outside perspective i'm like that's a great name like that's so amazing that you would do that like you're totally <laughs> capable and talented and Right, but when you have Just those people fancy. who are close to you, <laughs> yeah. they're our biggest, usually our biggest doubters and not yeah. our biggest fans because yeah. they mm-hmm. are afraid for us and they don't necessarily support it. And yeah. you need to be aware of that. Like sometimes you need to, yeah, like find other people Step away. because they aren't going to be. They're going to be the skeptical hippos. Yeah, I th- friends of mine talk about family of origin and family that you choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the place. And they could be one and the same, or they could be different. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Sliver. Find a sliver. <laughs> in that storm. There was a great There is always nugget. beauty in yeah. a storm. We just, you know, sometimes it's hard to see. Yeah. Absolutely. And for the perspective of being able to support someone who is dancing through that storm, being their support person, whether it's an immediate family member, even a husband or wife or anybody that's close to them, what would be your kind of piece of golden information to give them? Well, it's always hard to follow Robin, and I'm always reminded why we named the business after her, because her her words are so pertinent and important um, for someone who's struggling and for a caregiver as well. Um, the the best advice, I don't know, there's so much advice, but um, just a reminder that you can't fix them. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to be there in, in a capacity of love and support and and keeping yourself mentally well is so important um, and your mental health is not dictated by who you're supporting's mental health mm, and yeah. that yes. so often is seen as the same and um, and you know keep finding hope through support through others who, who are going through something similar mm-hmm. um, and whatever that may look like for you. Mm-hmm. So I uh, just want to let our listeners know, so if they wanted to connect, is it just, it's robinpriest.com? Yeah. Okay, and then, R-O-B-Y-N priest. Yes, we will <laughs> put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, and those courses that Robin mentioned, uh, she's running them, which is really exciting because a lot of times um, she personally doesn't run them, but they are showing up online starting uh, in 2020, oh. January, I think. And I'm running. Really. I know, which is amazing. And those can all be found on your website? Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And, and feel free to reach out, like, really. Yeah. It's free to reach out. It's Are you on social media yeah. as well? Like, is there yeah. places they can connect with you on social media? Um, the, Robin the Robin Priest would be the way to connect. Okay. And is that Instagram? Instagram. Instagram and um, we have a Facebook page, The Robin Priest, too, where we put different articles out. Okay. Yeah. We'll put those in the show notes for people yeah. to... Uh, awesome. I gotta learn to do Twitter. I do have the account. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, don't, yeah, I don't, I don't tweet either. <laughs> and then I do a lot of mom stuff just on yes. my own. Charlotte Sitnik. I'm on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Perfect. And uh, there's always lots of dialogue going on with things that I, I post, especially mom related. Sometimes I get lots good. of moms in our yeah. audience, so that'll be really yes. appreciated. And, and I too reach out. I do a lot of, of work talking with other moms and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, helping the way I can. 
Thanks Amazing. for letting us play. Yeah, this was no, fun. Thank, thank you, you so much. It made our day. Yeah. Ours too. I was looking forward to this. It's I was so excited. We chatted about it um, last week and then on Sunday and or yesterday. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't wait. I'll so. be honest. I was really anxious actually about today. Like I had, I felt that weight this morning of just having that conversation and, and for me it felt heavy until we walked into the room and sat down. And as soon as the dialogue opened, I felt that weight lift. So thank you for creating a safe space for us. And we hope that we've created a safe space for the audience as well. And they can connect with you guys if they so choose as well. And hopefully you guys have some amazing takeaways from today. I know I do. Yes, um, absolutely. So we're very proud thank of what you guys are doing. Oh, so yeah. thank, thank you. you. what you're doing. Well, it's on. so important. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure that you subscribe and keep tuning in to future episodes. We love hearing from you, so let us know what you thought of this episode. And if there's any topic that you want to hear about or any questions you want answered, send us an email to the address we've linked below in the show notes. Remember to tell your friends about the show and don't forget, girls got gold.